welcome everyone. Uh, it's another Vivid Radio show here on Trickstar Radio. Uh, with myself, Alex Downey. Taking you through till 9pm. As usual, every Wednesday. Uh, this Wednesday's not usual though. We've got a very special guest in the studio with me, Mr. Kirk DeGilgo. Uh, he'll be doing a workshop at the Brighton Music Conference tomorrow, so he's very kindly come to the studio to do a little interview, play some tracks, talk about techno in general. So yeah, I kicked off the show here with an early track from Kirk. Uh, Future Past Hyperspace is the name of the track. Came out on R&S. Hyperspace.
Kirk, uh, thanks a lot for coming in to the show. My pleasure. Uh, tell us a little bit about, bit about what you're doing in Brighton. Uh, it's a Brighton Music Conference going on down here tomorrow, if I'm not mistaken. That's right. I think it runs to Friday as well. Is that right? Yep. Um, well, I'll be doing um, a workshop for Native Instruments, who are a music uh, technology company based in Berlin. Um, and they'll be demonstrating a lot of their nice little products over the course of the conference. And I'll be doing a workshop on one particular uh, piece of equipment uh, called Machine, which is uh, coincidentally the name of the club I run so it all ties in nicely but yeah I'll be doing that about midday tomorrow so come along if you want to ask questions uh, if you're thinking about getting into music production or whether you are uh, a producer and you want to learn a bit more about how a machine can be incorporated into your setup then that's what I'll be doing cool um, so yeah I started the show there uh, with a track one of my favorite tracks uh, of yours is the first track that I heard that you've done actually. Uh, Future Past is the artist's name. Uh, it came out in 95 if I'm not mistaken. Yep. Um, that was, I've probably only heard that track one or two times since 95 actually. <laughs> really? Yeah. I, um, as I was telling you before the show, I, I generally don't listen, if I can help it, to my old tracks i don't know why i just get a bit self-conscious and i'm always thinking about what i'm gonna do next so uh yeah i honestly haven't heard that uh many times since it came out um yeah so the name future past is an artist name you went under back then is there any sort of like reason why you chose that name or any kind of deeper, um, deeper meaning behind it yeah there is a very specific reason um probably the first couple of future past tracks there hasn't been many there's only been about seven or eight in total future past tracks and they're very heavily uh disguised some somewhere in the tracks will be a very heavily disguised sample of an old track distorted mutated beyond recognition and so the idea is that i'm making something new out of something old um, so hence Future Past. Um, I'm actually, I reserve the name Future Past nowadays for my more harder material because generally the first Future Past tracks were the harder side. A side that's generally been overlooked throughout my career is that I do, was one of the earliest guys to make kind of quite hard music under the name Future Past. So it's getting a bit of a, uh, a revival in my production style. Okay, great. Um, so yeah, that was the first track that I, uh, of yours that I played in the show. We were going to play something else coming up now. Um, what's it called? And do you want to tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, this um, came out um, under my As One moniker, which is probably the one I'm most well known for. And As One just means all of my influences coming together. And as people who know my career go, I'm pretty much an old soul boy, electro, hip hop, everything. Everything to do with black music, basically. Uh, that's what I grew up with, and that's where my influences come from. So as one is all of those influences coming together, again, to create something quite new. So you'll hear immediately, this was quite different to anything that was out at the time. Uh, early 90s was a time of uh, people getting into harder, faster, more sort of ravey stuff. I went back to more soulful, melodic sounds, harmonies and all that kind of stuff. So this track's called Isotai. Um, do you want to know what Isotai is? 
Go on, tell us. Yeah. <laughs> it was. It's right up your street, Alex. It's a. It's a. <laughs> Deep Dave in the house. <laughs> it's a Native American Indian name for a, um, a chieftain who believed that he could do magic that would stop um, the white man's bullets from its story. Obviously, because most of them died in the battle, but the legend of Isatai was uh, immortalized in this song. Well, we need to know about the past to know where we're going in the future. So uh, yeah, let's let's uh, learn our lessons from that little story and play the track.
Uh, yeah, so Kurt, we were just saying uh, that track uh, came out in 1993. Yeah, 93, 94, I think that was, yeah. So I was just, I was just curious, like, um, how long have you been making techno um, and when was your actual first release? First release would have been um, early 92, probably. Um, I started making music in 91 after a visit to Detroit. I've told this story many times now. I went uh, to the US uh, on a record buying trip because I worked for a secondhand record store. Um, I'd already hooked up with uh, Derek May in London and he told me to go to Detroit uh, to go and check out some of the stores that no one dares go to. <laughs> so. I did that and um, I also checked in at Metroplex and uh, one and the guys showed me around their studio and I thought, oh wow, you know, I always uh, imagine studios to be this, these huge expensive things that only, you know, wealthy uh, producers could get access to. And when I saw the setups they had, I thought, right, I'm going to sell all my records when I get home, get a couple of grand together. And I, that's exactly what I did, bought a sampler, a drum machine, Atari computer. Um, and we taught myself within six months, basically, just by trying to replicate what my favorite artists were doing, like Derek, like uh, early Carl Craig, who he'd just done a few remixes by that time. Um, and I think that's how most people learn in the beginning. Then, you know, after a certain period of imitation, they go on to develop their own sound, if they're any good anyway. Um, and yeah, that's how I got into it, basically. Yeah, so that sort of leads me to ask, what was, um, you know, your early musical influences? Um, you know, what, what music were you into? Who influenced you? What influence you had? You end up working in a second-hand record shop, etc. Um, it goes way back, actually. Um, many people doubt this, but um, I, I was about 11 when I started getting into um, soul music, basically. And... I can't really remember being that into music before then, even though uh, my family are a very musical family. Um, none of us are musicians, but you know we all played music 24-7 in our house all the time. And uh, I think it, it just came about through the influence of my auntie, who was a regular clubber in London. She used to go to these classic soul clubs, um, uh, the Royalty and Lacey Lady, um, and follow DJs like uh, the legendary Froggy um, and Chris Hill and Robbie Vincent, um, those kind of people. And I used to visit my auntie, she lived with my nan, and uh, I, she used to tell me about these clubs and play all this amazing music that you never get to hear on the radio, you know, Funkadelic, you know, James Brown, Fatback Band, Call and the Gang. I'd never heard this music before, and immediately I just kept asking her about this music and uh, she said look here's half my seven inches I don't really play them anymore and she gave me a collection of about 60 or 77 inch singles and that was my that was the formative years of me getting into music was playing all these classic things like yum yum give me some by Fatback and uh, give it up turn it loose James Brown that's the kind of music that she had and I just I just been obsessed with it ever since basically so, I guess the obvious question there is, how do you go from that to getting into electronic music? Um, you know, what were some of the seminal turning points, influence, you know, tracks, pieces mm. of music that you heard that turned you on to electronic music? Well, very early on, the very important thing that happened, it wasn't electronic, but um, within a few months of my aunt giving me all those seven inches, rap music uh, became commercially uh, released. Uh, Fatback did the first ever one, Kington the Third, and I heard that on Greg Edwards' Capital Radio show, 
and it blew my mind. It wasn't electronic, but it taught me to be open-minded because a lot of the soul music journalists and DJs at the time said that it wasn't proper music. It was just people shouting over instrumentals. So that taught me very early on that I'm a bit more maybe open-minded than a lot of the purest soul boys out there because they didn't like rap at all, whereas I just loved it. Uh, a couple of weeks after King Tim the Third, Rapper's Delight came out and just blew up everywhere. And I became an old school rap collector from a very early age, um, super rapping, you know, Grandmaster Flash and all those things. I, 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 I tried to get them all on tape because I couldn't afford them on import. Um, but then it must, the, the, the biggest thing was three years later was when I first heard Planet Rock. But it was a, exactly the same process. All the soul boys, um, they even formed guys like Pete Tong and those soul guys. They formed uh, an organisation called uh, Lads League Against Disco <laughs> Shit, and it was against <laughs> electronic against electronic soul. What they <laughs> electro music. It was a, it was, wasn't just him. It was a lot of DJs at that time um, in Blues and Soul magazine in Echoes. They didn't think Planet Rock and Pack Jam and all these electronics were proper soul music. Was, to me, it was just like, well, these sounds are in kind of prelude music in West End and the electronic thing is coming in. It's just, a, a, you know, a development of that. And it's funky as hell. So for me, I just jumped straight in there. And so Planet Rock was the big kind of eureka moment. And immediately I started doing my first DJ gigs. Uh, so this was 84, I would think, 83, 84 in Ipswich, my local hometown. I, uh, I knew a professional footballer, Louis Donawa, played for Norwich City, and he was the only guy who could afford two Technics and a mixer. Wow. Uh, we hooked up with a big reggae sound system. There's a big reggae uh, scene in Ipswich, Hammer Sound System and all that lot. We went to the local Caribbean community club and uh, set up, and we had breakdance battles with me DJing, and that was the start of it. Well, so, I mean, I guess it's a natural progression from uh, Planet Rock to Detroit Techno. I mean, um can you maybe fill us in on the... Yeah, well, about six months after Planet Rock, there was one of the biggest electro records in the UK was Clear by Cybertron. Right, yeah, of course. And uh, we looked, you know, I, I was one of those typical kind of train spotters who would look at all the credits, and I was familiar with the name Juan Atkins um, and 3070. So, obviously, when a few more overtly Detroit techno records came out, Oh, it's Warren Atkins. Oh, it's the guy from, you know, Clear and R9. As you know, it's, it's all the continuation of electro, and that's why for me, I've I've had a lot of problems with journalists who've said to me, "Oh, techno was such a revolution in music." You know, it was like the time when uh, music totally changed and everybody came into liking kind of a black electronic sound. I was like, no, really, it happened years ago in '83, and even before then with Shari Vari and things like that. It's like, sorry, you're about six years too late, mate. Yeah, so it was a great time really to be a train spotter, essentially. <laughs> yeah, totally, yeah. Cool, so um, yeah, so we're gonna play another one of your early productions. Tell us what we've got lined up. We've got two tracks there. Which one should we play? Okay, um, well there is, um, I guess this track came about um, because I started, after my early career, I started getting a lot of uh, 
a lot of attention and a lot of labels coming up to me going, can you do me tracks, whatever? And I was kind of a bit, oh, I don't know. And then this label came along called Like Mind and they had these just mind-blowing uh, first few releases by Neuron, yeah, Stasis, I've got, I've got that record. It's amazing. Fugue and all those guys and um, a couple of B12 um, uh, monikers as well. So as soon as they asked me, I was like, yeah, absolutely. And I think they've only done four, they only ever did four EPs, is that right? They didn't do many and they're going for about 80 quid now on Discogs. Yeah, they're, they're, they're very collectible and um, I have tried to contact the original owner um, of the label and Nur, but unfortunately I think Nur has gone back to live in Malaysia and he's pretty right. much un undiscoverable, don't know what's happened to him. So it looks like they're not going to ever be re-released, I don't think, but I, I, put, I remastered my track because there was no contract, so this is out digitally, it's called Light. Great, let's bust it out.
So yeah, that was a very nice track, Kirk. Uh, Thank you. Quite, quite slow. Yep. About 115 or something like that. Yeah, and um, in the if you put it in the context of like when it came out, um, the trend was for things like Circuit Breaker, you know, Richie Hawkins, 100 mile an hour uh, techno project, and Riot, Underground Resistance, and uh, Joey Beltram and all that. So it was pretty much a very niche sound at the time. Um, there wasn't many other things around around like that at the time. Yeah, well, it's definitely stood the test of time. Thank um, you. So yeah, we were talking about uh, you know the early electro um, sort of being the precursor to uh, techno and how that's overlooked. Yeah. Um, and I'm kind of curious on to get your thoughts on what's going on with electro today, 2016. It seems to be a lot more interest than there has been for a long time. People have been saying that for years. Uh, mm -hmm. But you've got DJs like Helena Half, she's playing a lot of it. And um, 
it's never really gone away. A bit like how you know techno never really went away, and now it's having a massive resurgence. I'm just yeah, wondered if you uh, if you're up on what's going on in the electro world at all. I am. Um, the next ART, which is obviously my label, the next ART release is a pure. Uh, electro release by London Modular Alliance. I don't know if you've got that. Yeah, I've got that. I'm gonna. I think we should play that later in the show. It's a really, really good track. Excellent. Thanks. Oh, yeah, really great EP. But the one, one track I'm gonna play, Fallow. I think it's called. Yeah, everyone's picking up on that. It's promoing at the moment. It's gonna be out um, uh, first, uh, second week of May, I think, is the commercial release. But it's been promo now, and people are really picking up on Fallow and uh, the EP in general. So that's I mean, great. They played Block, didn't they? Yeah. They, well, they. they this is the thing, um, they've done some of the biggest clubs in the world. They've played live sets in Fabric, Bergein, um, Block, but they haven't released anything. And um, I, um, you know, I frequent the store quite a bit and uh, got to know the guys. They're really lovely guys. And um, I'm, I'm so glad that they knew the heritage of ART and uh, chose, chose my label to release their debut. I'm, I'm, I'm very privileged to, to release their first release because I think they're going to go on to, you know, to big things, hopefully. Yeah, so, I mean, there was a lot of DJs playing Electro at Block. I was playing a Electro set. Um, there was uh, quite a few acts booked alongside London Modular Alliance, like Defect. And, uh, you know, I think the scene's looking really healthy. There's some really great music coming out. Yeah. Um, you know, the people that are been supporting it for years never went away and I'm just wondering you know do you think it's gonna you know maybe get a wider appeal just next year or soon or um, what I think happens with electro like you say it always kind of comes up every few years and what I think happens is a younger generation discover it but it never gets enough wider appeal for it to become like a you know a I don't think there's been many all electro nights for example I just don't think there's enough material made for, for a star uh, although if you added you know added in all the old electro stuff you could easily do a whole night of electro um, so I don't know I don't know if it's like drum and bass now where it, where it'll always be around but it will always be a kind of niche scene that um, it will have always have its kind of loyal followers but every now and again you'll get a younger generation who will kind of boost it a little bit and uh, it will continue like that. I don't think it will ever be a mass movement like house and techno, unfortunately. That's just my opinion. I might be wrong, but I think it's too specific a genre for it to have mass appeal in that way. It's also uh, very funky. <laughs> good, good electro, in my opinion, is also very funky. And, you know, now this is a bit of a controversial thing maybe, but electronic music is global these days and a lot of the territories where electronic music is massive does not have a heritage in funk at all and it's very you know that the stuff that is big is stuff like trance and you know very linear very european sounding music so again electro has got a fight against that unawareness that lack of uh, culture in black music really for it to break those kind of territories yeah, I mean, I think there's uh, definitely enough music um, for a whole night of electro. There are people doing, you know, complete electro nights, but they're just not getting the support. Yeah. Um, you know, and it's just a lot, lot of blokes standing around and no, <laughs> no women. Yeah, yeah. Um, Which is a shame, because as you say, there are female DJs um, who play electro. And um, one of, I think, 
it's maybe its biggest chance is um, if it links up a bit more and becomes connected with the whole minimal wave scene as well. And obviously there is a huge crossover because electro, after all, was kind of uh, black guys in America picking up on the interesting technology used by a lot of uh, very, very underground European bands. Um, I'm a avid collector of um, early minimal wave stuff. A lot of it's only on cassette, you know, it really is bedrooms, just like bedroom producers making techno. It was literally, you know, these kind of nerdy guys in Germany, Belgium and, and Great Britain you know, buying a little Korg MS-10, MS-20 or something and a little drum machine and, and then singing really angst lyrics over the top. But some of it's amazing. And I think the popularity of Minimal Wave, if it, if, they, if it could kind of latch on with the electro thing, I think maybe then it could become a little bit more popular. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure there'd be a lot of people would have uh, said similar things about techno back in the day when... You know, we, w we didn't get that much support, and now you've got Rodhad on the front cover of Mixmag. So. <laughs> Do you know what? People don't believe me, but those early techno records, things like uh, the, the uh, BFC and Psych EPs on, on Trans, but Fragile, on ART, those early Black Dog releases, I swear to you, we did not sell a thousand copies of those records when they were released. It was a struggle. You know, Black Market would maybe take one or two copies and usually one or two copies would be left, you know. It, it, it was a hard sell because people, as I said, were into the more maybe overtly kind of ravey stuff like Richie Horton's Circuit Breaker stuff. That was easily marketable because it was aggressive and a lot of kids who were in previously into the whole punk rock kind of thing were like, oh, we like this, we like the aggressiveness of it, we like, we like the kind of distortion and all that. Whereas our music was still kind of rooted in this whole kind of uh, black culture that they just didn't get. So it was difficult at the time. And yeah, you're right. I do think that maybe Electro has suffered from that as well. Yeah, I mean, I think eventually people are going to want something new. Um, it's just always going to happen. And, you know, I think it will have its day eventually, but maybe it's not 2016. <laughs> Well, I'll tell you what, last year um, I was lucky to play at the, um, the big festival in Detroit, the Movement Festival, and um, I spent uh, most of uh, the day after I played my set in the underground stage where it was mostly Burgheim DJs. And I tell you, the record that's out of eight hours of music, the one that blew the place apart, Anthony Parasol played Planet Rock. And the sound of it, because those records were incredibly well made, and incredibly well produced in very, very high, high-end studios. And it sounded better than anything else that day. You know, even with all the modern technology, that boom, that 808 just destroyed the place. Cool, well, um, let's see what happens. Let's play another one of yours. This one is called Theme for Art. Theme from Op Art, yeah.
So yeah, Kirk, that's the uh, last one of your tracks I'm going to talk to you, wi- you with tonight. Okay. Uh, so when was that released? Uh, 97, I think. Um, it was on a, a multimedia release uh, done by the guys at Honest John's Records. Uh, it was called Header. And um, yeah, it was myself, Carl Craig and a couple of others on that. Um, it was like a first kind of CD interactive computer thing release. Yeah, it was quite interesting at the time. Yeah, cool. You also um, had uh, a track out on the Virtual Sex album, didn't you? You must have been quite uh, pleased to have uh, one of your tracks with people like Carl Craig and Kenny Larkin on there as well. Yeah, that was one of my first um, releases as well. Yeah, very early on in my career. Yeah, it was. It all happened pretty quick for me. Uh, um, literally six months after I learnt my equipment, I was releasing on you know, and getting on good compilations with, with fantastic artists. So yeah, it was, I was very lucky. Yeah, brilliant. So um, we're gonna play some uh, releases on your label, Applied Rhythmic Technology. So mm-hmm. some of the more recent stuff yep. in a bit, uh, one of them being the London Modular Alliance record. Great. So yeah, just kind of curious um, to get your thoughts and comments on you know, the state of the techno scene at the moment, you know, I was saying Rod Hads on the cover of Mixmag. Yep. Uh, you know, you're doing your Night Machine. There's a lot of good records coming out, you know. So, you know, what are your thoughts on what's going on in that world at the moment? Um, and, and why you're running your label, for example, you know, what, with new stuff, you know. Well, I've, um, I'm running, the, I'll answer the last one first. I'm running ART because um, I still get sent uh, music, which I think is, is fantastic and I generally pick up on artists um, before they become well known. It's become a bit of a trait and I don't mind being a conduit for artists to, you know, to going on to bigger things. Um, and it happened with Carl Craig, I was probably, I think I was the first UK label to pick up on, on one of his releases. Wow, and amazing. Yeah, and you know, the uh, the Philosophy of Santa Machine uh, compilation which we did had Aphex Twin and a few others you know before they were really huge and that kind of carried on and I think I've kind of done it again with um, uh, Stefan Vincent um, he, okay, I'm not familiar with that yeah he released um, uh, on ART uh, a year ago 18 months ago now and yeah he's he's doing really well now and uh, I expect to see him rise up and playing all the good venues and stuff. So, and another one to keep an eye on is uh, JT Kirk uh, from Birmingham. Again, another great artist who's kind of, you know, he's been been on the underground and uh, hopefully with a bit of exposure from releasing on ART, he go on to bigger things. Yeah, he used to buy records off me in the shop in Brighton, actually. Well, there you go. We'll, <laughs> we'll play that one after the L- London Modular Alliance. Uh, so it must be quite a buzz, like, you know, breaking new music, new artists, as a DJ as well, you're, you're, you're doing the same thing. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of good music out there, isn't there, at the moment? Well, this is the thing. I, 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 I hear a lot of negativity on social media, you know. It just, just seems a place for people to vent, but if you want my honest opinion, I think the last five, six years have been an absolute golden age for techno music. It might not be techno in the classic vein of Detroit techno. I think that sound has kind of, you know, it, it, 
very few, it's, it's, you know, it's like basket weave, medieval basket weaving. There's only a few people alive on the planet who know how to do that now. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a lost art, you know. Okay. That's, that's what I think. You know, there's only a few artists left on the planet who know how to make that kind of melodic, very traditional, you know, Derek May style uh, techno. It's just, it's just got, it's too idiosyncratic for anybody to, to make it. And we've gone down, techno has gone down a totally different path now where it's all, it kind of has done what drum and bass did in the 90s. It's gone from being very kind of uh, musical and uh, that being what gets a mass appeal. And then it's gone very engineer based, very sound design based. Yeah. And it's all about the sonics now rather than the musicality. But in within that, there is some incredible innovation going on, and I've always embraced that. I've, just because it hasn't got, you know, the most complex chords in the world, it doesn't matter for me. Records without chords are, can be equally as mind-blowing. And the, the, the younger guys out there who are coming up with completely fresh ears, and maybe it's because they don't have the burden of, oh, I've got to have, you know, show homage to Detroit or whatever. They're completely free to innovate and do what they want. And that's why um, I felt there was enough good new music to start a club night where we only played music that was less than a one year old. Um, oh, that's Machine, isn't it? That's Machine. It's been going for about four or five years now. And uh, Ben Sims uh, is my co-partner in that. And I chose Ben specifically to do that because Technically, he's he's probably the, oh, he's the best I've seen. Anyway, he's my favourite technical DJ. Sure. And but importantly, musically, he's very similar to me. He started even earlier than I did. He had decks at the age of nine, you know. And he is also a massive disco, soul, funk, electro, reggae, all that stuff. So me and him are totally on the same wavelength. We're people who are rooted in, in you know, black music history, but we also love and love to support brand new music. Uh, so he was the ideal partner for this. And, you know, you've been to our night. I don't think we've had a, ever yeah, had yeah. a dull night. You know, it's always no, been ridiculous. Been yeah, they've all been good. So it's a pleasure to, to do that and to bring that. But s uh, since we've started Machine, it's, what's going on? Techno's exploded. It certainly has. <laughs> So let's uh, let's let's play the uh, London Modular cool. Alliance track Fallow.
So yeah, that was the new London Modular Alliance EP on Applied Rhythmic Technology. That's Kirk's label. The track's called Fallow. Uh, it's a pretty good EP, so watch out for that one when it comes out in the shops. When's that out, Kirk? I think it's uh, second week of May. Excellent. Um, so, yeah, it was uh, talking about um, new music, new producers, uh, and the state of the scene before. Um, I mean, you mentioned that uh, there, there's only a handful of people making the Detroit uh, kind of sound. Uh, I, just, I just thought I'd uh, mention there's an artist called Stephen Lopkin from Scotland. Are you familiar with him? No. And he's doing some pretty amazing imitations of Derek May. I mean, I, you know, and they're, they're quite good tracks. So, uh, yeah, maybe I should play you some of them later. I, I played uh, quite a few of his tracks on this show here um, in case anyone has been listening weekly. Um, he's another art, uh, great artist worth looking out for, Stephen Lopkin. So I just wondered, uh, you mentioned James T. Kirk. We're going to play a track of his next and some of the other artists that you're releasing on your label. I'm just wondering if there's any other, like, you know, really exciting producers that you, you know, you feature in your DJ sets, um, ones to watch. Wow, there's so many. Um, yeah. But uh, in particular, um, other artists that I'm really into at the moment would be uh, Mike Storm, uh, Bleak, um, okay. and uh, probably the one that, uh, no, the two producers who really catch my ear at the moment are Tadio from okay. Spain yeah, yeah. Um, and Developer. And they both kind of got their own distinctive sound. Although Tadio's may be kind of rooted in the kind of spacier Jeff Mills kind of genre. Yeah, sure. He's he's definitely, you know, got his own kind of take on it. And he's he's one of the braver ones who, who manages, you know, to, to go beyond the kind of, you know, harder kind of sound. He'll he'll risk bringing in some classical elements and there's even one of his releases has got this great kind of jazz double bass in it, which is just you know, pretty much unique in in the techno sound at the moment. It sounds terrible, jazz bass in techno, but believe me, the way he uses it, it's just like a kind of tone bass sound. It's incredible. Um, whereas developer is making these. Uh, it, he he for me has more ideas in one EP than a lot of people have in like five or ten years, uh, because uh, it, it, there, it, he has like a concept to his his music. They're all kind of uh, almost like. Uh, you know, loop tracks, but the, the riffs that he uses and the sounds are just incredible. So at the moment, those two are really, you know, uh, I'm really into their sound at the moment. Yeah, I uh, saw there's a new developer release uh, on No More Words today. It was like eight tracks. I nearly downloaded it for the show, but uh, I couldn't face listening to eight tracks. Have you seen that one? Um, I haven't checked my No More Words okay, <laughs> this yeah. week, but I'll, if there's another developer EP, I will. He, he's quite prolific. He's doing a lot of stuff at the moment. And each e release seems to have four tracks, and they've, they've got like a theme behind all four of them. So the sound, the, 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 the drums might be all in a similar vein, but the, the, the each uh, idea is quite unique and it's very, very interesting what he's doing. Cool, so there's uh, Mike Storm, Tadeo and Developer. There's three uh, tips from Kirk. Um, off the top of your head, have you got a techno top five? Of all time? 
<laughs> well, um, yeah, uh, go yeah. on, yeah. Well, I'll, I'll attempt. Um, the the first number one is quite easy. It would always be um, uh, rhythm is rhythm. It is what it is. Yeah. Um, cool. It's it's just a timeless classic. Uh, Elements by Carl Craig. Yeah. Another early one. Um, uh, Journey of the Dragons. Uh, sure. Uh, underground resistance. Not, not high tech jazz. The other side, yeah. No, I, I prefer the that. Yeah. Uh, well, they're both absolutely amazing, of course. But I think I just about prefer that. Um, this sounds really conceited, but can I put a collaboration I did with Ian O'Brien, uh, Night of the Promenade? Sure. Uh, but enough other people have have said that you know that is up there. So I I, I don't feel too bad about putting that one in myself. <laughs> I'm ashamed to say I don't actually know the record. I'm not familiar okay. with it. Okay, all right. And um, one more. Do I have to, have to choose one more? Okay. Um, one, I'll choose this one because I, I do think it is the first ever true techno record. And it's the untitled bonus track on the X-Ray Let's Go EP on Transmart. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Because okay. it's the first four to the floor uh, track that those one and those guys did. So I would put that up there. So it's a landmark record. I've got that. I've got a tatty, tatty old copy with it. I mean, <laughs> you know, back in the days when they were really poor quality vinyl. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know what, what I would... Was that four or five? I mean, I'll just choose anything from like... No, that was five. Oh, uh, there, there you go then. Yeah, thanks for that. Um, and talking of five, we've got about five minutes left of the show, so um, I'm going to have to play that James T. Kirk record before we run out of time. Nice one, Alex. Thank you so much for having me on. No, it's a pleasure, Kirk. Thanks a, a lot for coming down. Um, and uh, as I said earlier, if any of you are in Brighton, there's the Brighton Music Conference on tomorrow and on Friday. Um, uh, and yeah, uh, Kirk will be doing a, a uh, workshop there, so um, yeah check that out if you're in town uh yeah let's play this track james t kirk it's called what's it called kirk um depends which one i've chosen um it's breach jt kirk not quick enough on the old laptop are you not not as quick as you are on the decks no it's trying to open the night <laughs> <laughs> bear with us people Okay, here we go. It's just breach. It's a right belter. This is. It's a machine classic. <laughs>
Okay, yeah, thanks to everyone for listening this week to uh, this very special show, and thanks again to Kirk for coming in and uh, answering some boring techno questions. Uh, yeah, hope you enjoyed it. I'll be back once again next Wednesday, 7.30 till 9, as usual. And uh, following on from me now is Mr. Will Rankin. Uh, he'll be taking you through till 10. So yeah, this is the last one from me. It's uh, by Shlomo. Uh, it's an amazing record called In Absentia and uh, it's just about to come out on Delsin Recordings. So I'll leave you with that one and see you all next week. Bye-bye.